Microphone checker, microphone checker. Yo, my name is Douglas Jessup. I'm a social justice advocate. This is my podcast. I'm going to talk about, I have different episodes, but I'm kind of just freestyling it to see which really fits the best. Um, so I'm a social justice advocate. Uh, what got me in this space was I was erroneously profiled which is huge. These are all separate entities. Like they can all stand by themselves independently. So being erroneously profiled is one thing. Wrongly convicted is another thing. And unlawfully incarcerated is is a separate thing. They seem like they all go together and they do, but they actually all play separate instrumental parts of everything that happened to me and the injustice I faced. So how did I get unlawfully incarcerated? Quite simply, man, I attempted suicide on July 4th of 2014. I attempted suicide. And when I attempted suicide by overdose, I ended up assaulting my dad. I assaulted my dad in that process. Um, And then I I attempted suicide again through police. As I attempted suicide through police, I grabbed some knives to make sure and ensure that they would actually take me out. Nothing happened. Um, Well, I mean... They shot me multiple times, but I didn't. I didn't die. Um, that's a pretty intense experience. That's without even feeding into what led up to to such an extreme event, right? Um, and that would be. I'll save that for another podcast of it, so I can talk about what that extreme event and why that actually started to occur. But suffice it to say, from that. Um, the case got turned into a, a murder suicide to they had to make the appearance of it because it wasn't a murder suicide it was a flat out suicide attempt um and they flipped it hardcore they added individuals that just simply wasn't even part of the they added individuals and elements that had nothing to do with it nothing whatsoever and the point of that was to actually add substance. Now, for those of you who do not know what, the, how the law works, pretty much the, the easiest way to explain, um, the, what I'll do is I'll explain the most powerful part of a conviction. And the powerful part of the conviction is actually the substance of it. And that's the intent or the, or the, car- or the profile that's made up behind it. Reason why that is, is because you can't charge somebody it's not a crime for somebody to do something if they if there's no malice behind it. For instance, let's say somebody's throwing the football. Him and his friend is, him and somebody are playing catch and they're throwing the football back and forth to each other. Let's say one individual walks in the middle of that, right? And unbeknownst to either or anybody in that in that circumstance, the person walking in the middle gets hit by the football, right? That person that gets hit by the football couldn't press charges on that guy. He could, but it would actually, it, it, no, he couldn't because there's no intent behind that. There's no malicious intent for that person to actually attack that individual. So there has to be malicious intent. Or another legal term is mandria. There has to be um, that. And this is all just like, real, I'm just giving a really quick rundown of this. It goes, to, it goes really into detail, but like, that's the purpose behind it. So that's the substance, right? And that's where mass incarceration exists. Mass incarceration exists in the erroneously and in, into the in the erroneous profiling of races and people of poverty. Period. 
So it's just like saying, well, this individual is this, this individual is that. Let's just throw them away. And then we can just say, yo, well, this is what they are. And it's, 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 really, it's a really screwed up way. But it's, it's nothing short of human trafficking. It just isn't. It's just legal. Or it's, it's not even legal. That's why they have to change it to make it legal. It's like, that's crazy. So, um, anyways, yeah. So, yeah. So I was erroneously profiled, wrongly convicted, and all of that. Out of that, when I was incarcerated, um, so the first time was July fourth, two thousand fourteen. Right? They included another. They included another event that happened, like not an event, but they included the past because it's like I'm not from California. Well, I'm from Long Beach, but I wasn't raised out here in California. Because of that, there's nothing out here in California. So by territory, they had to figure out where I have been. So they included some other shit and fucking made it corrupt and illegal. And it's just illegal as hell. They added elements that wasn't even existing. So, and had no substance. And they added that because they needed to create a profile. Because you you can't incarcerate somebody who's actually really trying to take their life. That's not illegal. You know what I mean? Like, it's granted... You know, like, that's just, it's just crazy that that happened. But, like, um, yeah. So, from that experience, you know, the first time that was a wrongful conviction, I, I did six months, had me drugged up, and that's how they ended up pulling the wool over my eyes, just having me completely mentally incompetent. And, uh, yeah, they just had me completely mentally incompetent. And from that experience, they just really... Well, they screwed me over. And then a year later after that, I ended up getting picked up by the sheriffs, Orange County sheriffs, man. They literally come through and they pick me up and then they throw me in. And this happened to be on Martin Luther King Day. I am not making this up. And I was 30 years old when this happened. The crazy part about that is being 30 years old is for me, I'm I'm Christian. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in Jesus Christ. And, you know, everybody knows in Christianity that he started his ministry at 30 years old and so for me that was just a (coughs) excuse me for me that was just too coincidental it was just more of like all these different things that was happening it was was like really important for me to really pay attention because of my life experience and my life experience it was one that it was easier just to not see the good and pretty much it was it was more painful to dream than anything else, just because it was an. Ex- I've, I've had extreme life, but well, my upbringing, the abuse in it was was pretty hardcore, and uh, just all of it was pretty hardcore. So, <clears throat> so saying that. Uh, Yeah, saying that, it was, it was definitely an experience, man. Sorry, I lost chance of thought. Every time I talk about these things, like, it really does. It makes me, you know, I go I go deep, and I lose chance of thought. You know, because it's, it's painful stuff. But anyways, so yeah, so that's how I got involved um, in social justice work. I ended up becoming, in that time frame, the second time. And when they just ended up throwing me in prison, I that's when I became the law clerk. And, um... You, to become the law clerk, you take a test. I took a reading test. The reading test was really simple. Um, reading is my best subject. And, like, I got 100% on that reading test. 
Um, and that kind of gave me a golden ticket, so to speak. And right, I knew exactly what I wanted to do because I was in reception for six months up to that point. So in receptions, they, every time I was trying to get to the law library, they kept on um, denying me that. They wouldn't let me go, you know. And people in prison are very familiar with this. What they do is it's the hurry up and wait. Um, it, that's It's always referred to as hurry up and wait. Like they prolong everything so you don't get your rights. So it's like they don't, they say, oh, well, we didn't deny them the rights. We were just busy, right? But it's like, but you're just busy for five years, you know? And like, you know, where I couldn't go to something for 30 minutes, you know, like, and that's how they end up usurping and circumventing prisoners' rights. And ultimately in the criminal system, that's how rights are actually just completely circumvented. Um, it's one or the other. You're either, <coughs> you're either drawn out Right. So like, for instance, I'll bring up you're either drawn out too long where the people just sign because they're trying to get out or they overload you with information. Right. So like, let's say it's an incident on one day, they'll send to you like 500 documents and, and you have to read it. And then like you have a court date in like a, a week. So that's how they do that. It's just a lot of really it's, it's really petty. And it's just like when you look at it. And you experience it the way that I've, I've experienced it. Or even if you just look and read it, it's, it's really pathetic. It's, it's a very ugly look. But it's real look on what American civilization has become. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, so that's how I got involved with the social justice work. That's how I got involved in social justice work is from there. I fought, I ended up, um, man, I fought like... What the the sergeants, the COs, I got the CO removed, I got the sergeant removed. Um, I got one inmate released, literally released from prison. That was really cool. I can't, the only, the work I did on that was he needed documents filed, like paperwork written for him. And, and I did that and he got fucking released. And like, that was such a like, whoa, like, that was just such a dope moment because like, well, that's just some dope ass shit, dude. Like, you know, and I remember he came right up to me. He's like, he's like, yo, Oos. You know, he's like, bro, you, they they wrote me specifically because of that, bro. And they, they told me that this really moved them. And because it moved them, they're going to, you know, they're going to let me go. And I'm like, wow. You know, and that was just a powerful, that was just one of them, you know. And not to, to mention when I got my case back and it went on bank. And I was like, holy shit. You know, and I, I remember too, like, because <clears throat> when I first went to prison, like, um, out of, out of reception and stuff. Like I knew I was a high profile case. And the reason why I knew I was a high profile case, um, for those of you that don't know what a high profile case is, <clears throat> it means all their resources are on you. That's what that means. It means that every resource is, is tacked onto to your name. Um, so with me, I was a high profile case for very many reasons, right? But the main reason was that I was thrown in there unlawfully and they're trying to cover it up. But what it looked like was that, watch this man, he's dangerous, right? So it's it's kind of, it's the, it's the, it's that deceptive way of how some people can be truthful, but misleading, where it's just like, they say he's dangerous, but dangerous to what cause? I'm dangerous to the cause of corruption because you threw me in here unlawfully. I'm not dangerous to the people. But depending on how you write that, you can actually get away with it. And that happens a lot of the time. So, <clears throat> so like, 
anyway, so when I was in um, prison, I was, I was a high-profile case. Um, I was a, there a case they were trying to sweep under the rug, <clears throat> and they were trying to, like, hide it because it was an anomaly. And the reason why I mean it was an anomaly was because, for one, people from, and this is the true proverbial mentality of the system because it really is like a machine just a machine that just oppresses and oppresses and oppresses but the 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 ideals behind that is that people from the are, are the ideals behind it are the profiles that's it so if you're a person of color you're you're scum um if you're poor you're lazy um pretty much everything that was thrown out there in in these last four years like all of that like you know like those racial profiles are like you know are, are really the fuel to the fire and so yeah so like with me like yeah so when i was in the, the prison law clerk I, I studied and my case went on bank uh went on bank and eventually how they did it again this is abuse of authority and, and it's and it's so funny man you know, I think at this point, because, you know, I've been monitored this entire time that I'm, I'm really starting to pay attention now. And I'm really understanding that's what's been happening to me. And I'll, that's actually where I'm going to lead to after this, after this, um, this thought is that. Well, it's just it's just a it's just a it's just a difficult or not necessarily difficult. It's just it. Well, it is a difficult situation to get to go through, you know. So the part of me talking about me being monitored and stuff like, uh, so after I ended up getting released, I was homeless, right? I was homeless. So it's like, it wasn't just like, let's just, it's, no, I was literally homeless, you know? And then what they're making their parents to look like is they played both sides of the fence. They told my family I was under some hardcore investigation, which it wasn't an investigation. What it was is, and has been, has been a cover up. So it's like, Okay, we have to cover up what we just did to, to this guy because if he sues us, we're screwed. And everything that this foundation of criminal injustice stands on will crumble because they used it all against me. And I have like a rug underneath all of it just based because they, they, I was processed just like any other individual. And they, but they hit me with a book and they did it all corruptly. So like, um, yeah, so when I was homeless, man, like... Uh, you know, at first, like, it didn't, well, at first I was, come on, man, I was homeless after being unlawfully incarcerated. Mind you, I had no felonies before this, no gang affiliation. Yes, I'm from the gutter. Yes, I do have family and gangs. Yes, I'm Samoan. Yes, like, you know, my life has been, I mean, hardcore. Like, it's like, but I myself was not part of any gangs. Like, I had no affiliations, no extreme anything, you know, um, yeah, so, like, they made all that disappear and filled it. It's kind of like if you look at George Floyd, it's just, it's, 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 and I'm not using this for a crutch. I'm actually using this for a real example is the fact that when George Floyd, you know, here's a police officer with his knee to his neck, knee to this guy's neck, and as his knee's on this guy's neck, he, you know, he ends up killing him. And, you know, and, they, and then you have individuals literally fighting to change that, change it. You know, to change that, that's literally what happened. And they changed it. So it wasn't, he didn't have, he didn't die because his knee was on his neck. He died because he had a heart attack or, you know, you know, the the drugs kicked in and, and, and caused him to have a heart attack. You know, and, and that in itself is how you separate 
you isolate because that's another thing it's a tactic of um, a really corrupt lawyers and prosecutors is that they isolate incidents and they take it away from the entirety of the actual event you know what I mean so it's like like let's say there is let's say like somebody has a computer and it crashes right let's say if a person has a computer and it crashes right so the entirety of the event is that computer crashed right and the computer crashed for whatever reason Right, let's say there's a virus or something, right? But then a person goes back to the owner and says, "Hey, you know what? My my computer crashed. I just turned it on, you know, and it, you know, I saw I want a refund." But then the owner doesn't want to pay the guy back, you know, because he knew that the computer was a bunk computer, so he just gave it to him. So he says, "Well, it looks like it's working fine, you know." So they ended up they taking, let's say, they take it to court, and then what he what he defends it with is that the. The guy says, well, the computer crashed. And then the lawyer would then say in defense that, oh, well, the, the, the screen worked fine. The keyboard was working great, you know, and uh, and you could see what was on the screen or something. You know, like, so he wasn't lying, but he wasn't addressing the situation, you know. And a lot of the times, majority of the times, that's how they, they drive that, that wedge through and get people incarcerated unlawfully. Um, and just racially profile people and they just find various ways of doing that over and over and over again. And so it's kind of like with me when they're saying, oh, you know, like another thing is like a person that is guilty is going to be more afraid of a person versus somebody that's an actual perpetrator. You know what I mean? Or I wouldn't say they would be more afraid, but that amount of fear would be equivalent. Like, it definitely would be equivalent. Like, let's say, like, somebody did one person wrong. They're, they are not going to want to see that person again because they just did them wrong. That that guilt and that fear will be will compel that person to move more as if that person, as if that person was a perpetrator. And the majority of the time, a perpetrator, the person want like, when you're a victim of something, you're looking for closure. So it's the opposite. You're looking to find some type of closure a lot of the times, especially if it's your first time something like that's occurred. Um, you know, and anyways, that's just, uh, there's just, I'm, <laughs> I'm giving a lot of these gems and these jewels. So, yeah. Anyway, so when I ended up, the other part, you know, like, you know, that I guess, I don't know how I'll tie this in. So I ended up getting, you know, like as I've been, you know, recovering and, and, and bouncing back from everything that's been placed on my table, I've also been able to discern and, and, quite simply infer and deduce that, you know, not only was I unlawfully incarcerated, I was also put on a list, right? So it's like, what is that list? It's pretty much the high profile thing, the the case that I was fighting when I was in there. But they, instead of like, when I was fighting when I was incarcerated, but instead of like eradicating it, they're like, you'll let him go because he's going to screw us over, but we're going to continue to do this once he's out. So now that he's out, we're going to continue to do it so we can make it look like it's his fault and not ours. And now we're heroes. That's the that's such, that's so fucking evil. But that's literally what it's been. So, um, I think you know. I think just in general, I think anybody that is in, you know, in poverty, they really need to sharpen up and and pay attention to what the system is really like. Don't listen to those idiots on the freaking TV and on um, music, mainstream media, all of that. Like telling you to go, you know, throw your life away. Just don't listen to the context of what they're saying. Um, look at the agenda of it. I'm telling you, like, 
the way that social media has been, you know, and the way that society has been literally forced has been for the destruction of the people. And it's so crazy because it's like almost written out of a like Lord of the Rings novel or something, you know, like where there's this evil eye of Mordor and like wanting to enslave the people. But it's like for real, <laughs> like there's it's crazy. And, and, and you know, and it, some of it's human nature. A lot of it is ignorance. Um, but it definitely is manipulated and orchestrated. I remember when I was incarcerated, man, like one of the things that I was really tripping out about was how well the authority was at sabotaging it. Like how, and not just not how, what, but like how good they were. And like, what I mean by that is like, I mean that everything they, they study you. Right. And as they study you, they see what your likes are. They see what makes you tick. They see what, what empowers you. They see what edifies you. Then they just jump right in the middle of that. They jump right in the middle of it and they stop it. They stop it with something. Right. Um, but since it's a since it's a subtle and an evil thing in the scriptures, it calls it. I mean, it's the combination of the devil, um, which also would support the pedophilia that is being challenged right now and the human trafficking, all of that. But like um, that in itself, like then what people do with it is uh, they just jump in front of it. They jump in front of whatever you like. Let's say you like to somebody likes to play ping pong or something. Right. When a person is going to play some ping pong because they just had a rough day in the system. What they'll do is they'll see that that's exactly what you're doing it for is for relief. They'll make sure. Oh, well, and you'll go to like go play ping pong and they'll say that it's not available. They're like, oh, well, you can't anymore, you know, and then they'll add more to that. They'll add insult to injury and, and they just put that on repeat. And that's what the system really looks like. What I just explained right there. And that's why, like, there is a this recidivism rates in America, besides smaller states, especially when they don't have a corporate hold over them, you know, or a private hold over them, I should say, um, because this is a secret society. I don't care what name you call it. You know what I mean? Like this is it's it's ran by it definitely is ran by a secret society. The smaller states don't have that because it's not a normal and natural mindset to think of, hey, I'm going slaving some people and make money off of it. You know, and then over 60 years of this, at least it's been practiced and perfected. You know, so it's like we practice it. Now we perfected it. Now we get to use it however we want, whenever we want, against whoever we want. Now, when it comes to leaders nowadays, that's who they go after. But in my experience, I'm a leader that they just, I mean, they may suppress it to varying degrees. But I'm definitely not somebody that's like, the Lord is by my side. I'm just, I'll just simply say that. So, do you know... This is just, it's, it's, you know, so for people that like of color, if they're doing anything, it's like, that's why there's a lot of positive things that are happening. And I advocate for all of the positive things. And what am I advocating for? I advocate for, you know, the legalization of drugs. That's just being flat out. Like I, I, I advocate for that, but more so I want to advocate for legalization of licenses. That's more important than just legalizing the drug. And the reason why I'm saying like, I was like, what do you mean? Like. I won't go into this because I'm actually preparing 
uh, I'm gonna start preparing a, a proposal, but like, um, but just to kind of touch on that, the licenses, like licenses that are lateral. I'll just say that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I advocate for that. I advocate for all these different things so we can actually move out of this era of mass incarceration, this 60 plus years of poison and corruption. We can actually move out of it seamlessly is there is is i would i i can i would say would be the best intent um and because you know what it's like it's you know there's a lot of ways that people look at things people look at things and they're just like you know what like oh this has happened let's make a stance against it and let's overcome it and what you know and i feel like if it comes down to it absolutely you know what i mean like absolutely if it comes down to it it's like yeah if it comes down to it that you're so or this machine of the operators of this machine of oppression because that's what it is it really is a machine if those if for anybody that hasn't read new jim crow i highly recommend that that is not a partisan book that is not a political book that is just literally the truth um and it's the truth of the society and the foundation of what america has become you know, granted, there's going to be a lot of arguments in, in what I just said right there. There's going to be people that say, America hasn't become this. America has always been this. And yeah, yeah I, I can get why somebody would say that because America was built off the back of bond and bond servants. That's literally how it was founded. So like, um, and then the bond and the bond servants then expanded and more collaborations and so forth started occurring. But like, for the sake of... Uh, of of my of this podcast you know suffice it to say that um the society that has been cultivated is the what what is being challenged right now is the backbone so what does that mean that means that to move forward from this the entire all of that has to change all of it has to change so the the infrastructure of it um all of it simply has to change you know, and I, I believe that's possible. I don't believe it. I don't just believe it's just feasibly possible for that to happen and everybody kind of just to move on with their life. You know what I mean? And, you know, um, you know, I'm sure there's darker things like, for instance, there's one thing I haven't. And here's another thing I discovered was why does it take 20 plus years for people to realize that they're innocent? The people know they're innocent. And for damn sure, the fucking the guards know, the prison knows for damn sure. Because um, the first thing people do when they incarcerate somebody that's unlawful is it's not an accident. That is absolutely not an accident. It doesn't happen accidentally. That's another one. Were there mistakes? That's what I thought in my situation. I was like, damn, dude, there just must have been a mistake. No, it's not an accident. Um, but when it does happen, though, First thing they do is they start covering it up. So the reason why it takes 20 years, though, is because there's being money made off of that person being incarcerated. So when people are like, well, it's so expensive to house the inmate. That's why they're housing the inmate, because it is that expensive. Is it does it really break it down? Does it really break down to be that expensive to house an inmate that much when you're feeding them off of food that's bought in bulk? No fucking way. So you're going to say, no way, it is not that expensive. But it's inflated to that price so the benefactors could get the excess of it. Um, and that's another simple breakdown of it. And so a lot of this stuff I studied, you know, 
and and that's what that's another thing that was really different between my case and every other individual um difference between my case is the fact that i didn't wait on fucking nobody i didn't wait on nobody i started writing as soon as i hit reception i actually wrote oh yeah i actually started right before i got transferred to um Right before I got transferred to prison, I actually wrote to the law to the law library, and they moved me like that night. It was it was crazy. It was like happened like that. Um, but I wasn't waiting for nobody, you know. And I just started fighting, and that was the difference because I, I found the sil- it's the silver bullet, so to speak. Um, but I, I just pretty much uncovered all of it, you know, and then I started filing it. Boom, and that's what made the difference because I didn't wait on no lawyer. I didn't go ask anybody for it. I didn't go ask anybody, you know, like, I really, I got blessed. You know, the Lord, like, blessed me in the sense of putting the right people on my path and really encouraging the right people to speak up, you know, like, in my situation, when people are understanding that this is a whole a high-profile guy coming in, um, they're aware of it, you know, so it takes courage for somebody to speak up and for me you know, I'm I'm actually really proud, and I don't. I mean, if he wants to come forward, you know, I definitely would love that if he came forward and spoke on it. But it was it was a Black Panther, you know, and he came forward, and he actually was just. I won't ever forget it, man. I won't ever forget that and he and he actually just you know started was started talking to me, you know. What I mean, this is there's another situation, and it was by a Muslim, when I was in my holding cell, before I got sentenced. That actually helped me out and I'm Samoan so I when I'm Samoan in jail when you bunk up you bunk up with the with the brothers so Samoans brothers and and others really which is Asians and we all bunk up in the same holding cells and like so yeah so the first one was a Muslim and the Muslim it was crazy because he actually told me he was like yo you know what he says if you believe in that Jesus Christ that you've been talking about I won't ever forget this, and I can say it almost verbatim, but like he's like, if you, if you believe in that Jesus Christ that you've been talking about, you have to understand that this didn't happen by accident. Then, you believe in that Jesus Christ, this happened, and you've been living the life you've been talking about. This happened specifically for you, and only you can get through this. And then after that, he was just like, your Jesus will not fail you. That was like one of the most powerful conversations I had, and like at that you know and it was just one of those profound impactful things that happened in my life um then the other ones when i touched down because in reception i was in reception for six months and like when i was in reception for six months that you know that was in and they didn't give us no cold water they didn't give us no hot water like the entire time i was there i think they gave us hot water like two weeks before we left but that's just to play with the inmates head you know what I mean? Because, like, you know, if you don't have no, like, we, I mean, no hot water. So you're showering in, like, it's, it feels like river water. Those are just, like, little psychological tricks that they play on you. Seeing inmates get beat the hell up in that situation. They put a skinhead in our, in our dorm, and a skinhead's, like, not supposed to be in that dorm. And when they put that skinhead in there, he literally got stabbed about three. He was in the dorm for no longer than 20 seconds. That skinhead, and they came up and they literally stabbed him, and then a riot popped off, and then, um, yeah, and the guards let him in, and the guards are the ones that are aware of like, hey, don't put this person on in, but they have a, they have their own way of doing things, 
you know, and uh, and that in itself, their own way of doing things is, is what inmates are actually fighting against because their own way of doing things is what oppresses the people. Um, so anyway, so like when I met the, the Black Panther, uh, me and him were playing chess and he kind of, after I explained my story to him, he like, he just had this big smile on his face, to be honest, you know, like in, um, you know, he was, on, he was an inmate that was on death row, like for real, he was on for real death row. And, uh, he won his case, but he still ended up serving, I think it was like 30 plus years. And like, but I remember him, he was just like, he, I don't know, he was just, he really just encouraged me. He was just like, yo, don't give up, man. He's like, he's like, you know what? He's like, I'm telling you, youngin, you know, because he was like an OG, like a huge OG too. He's probably like six three, but like built like a fridge, man. Like, no, I'm more like six four. He was huge, man, and like freaking, um. But yeah, he just, you know, he looked at me and he, he just, he's like, don't give up. He's like, everything that's happening to you, man. He's like. You can get through this. If you're innocent, he's like, I actually believe you, man. You know, and I had one of those talks, like, for real, like, I had one of those talks with him, and, like, he's like, I believe you, man. He's like, I, I, I feel that, I feel God has his hand on this one. He's like, I just do. And then, like, you know, and, and the way that he taught me was interesting, too. You know, like, the way that he taught me was just, like, he didn't baby me. It was, I don't, I don't know, I, I'll just say this, like, when God knows how to bring the best out of you, and in that situation, that's what happened, you know, and it was, um, you know, and so anyway, anyways, I, eventually, I, I become the law clerk with that golden ticket, because I took my test, and um, as I took my test, I got 100%, but I became the law clerk, um, after I became the law clerk, I, uh, yeah, I, uh, started studying and I just that's when I started like putting in work man like I started putting in work and started studying so I think that's a good place to stop for this podcast um where I go on to is like just what my experience has been like and how I've been able to uncover it and I can't I can't say that well I was gonna say how I've been able to uncover that I got watch list again, watch listed again. I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the 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 facts of that is that that is something that I was just readily able to infer because it was just like, wait, hold up, you know. But seeing it actually being put into place when I'm running into people all over again I've never met, right? Having an incentive behind them, like, oh, this guy is this, 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 and people that are actually supposed to have my best intentions at hand, like that is literally their job and their position and the placement of, and and they do the opposite. There's an incentive behind that. It's the same thing like prison, except for it's out in the world, you know. And um, so, man, I've gone through a lot, but I'm gonna continue to, you know, move forward and make the best out of my situation and you know be grateful and and I'm gonna continue to educate the people but not like I'm just gonna continue to educate people and share my story but for anybody that wants to know if they've been watch listed how can you tell right it how you can tell is it's it's, you will 
really feel as if somebody is messing with you because somebody is. You're going to always have that pressing like, Yo, is somebody messing with me? Am I crazy? You're not crazy. Somebody really is messing with you. It's sabotage. It. They're tactics really taught by FBI, CIA to, to interrogate and harass their subjects so they can pull some type of truth out of them. Right. And then the thing is, oh, they are professionally trained to, you know, be this, this. I'm not a there's no dude. I, there's no professional training. I have like that. Do you know what I mean? So it's like I'm really a gutter boy. Bright as hell. Forever lived under his potential. <laughs> um, that stayed out the way that that's simply who I am, you know. Um, but anyway, so they, they use this. And I can go in and when that went into it. But you can read, if anybody was to read cases and stuff, they can see it. It actually started, it, it's, it, you read all of, you read the conspiracy, you can see when this, when it actually started to be okay, where they can start to have hostages. Like where America can have hostages and they, they treat them differently. Like, you, you don't have same rights. You don't have the same amount of rights as the next person over because they've labeled you as high profile. Um, so, with me, it, with me, the main motive and the only motive behind it is simply because it's, they screwed up that bad and I couldn't cover it all. I couldn't cover all the secrets because they hit me with all of it. You know, and, and to actually, like, rectify it one way would be that would be only a way is to expose it but the other way is just for the you know just to actually just have it moved out of my life like just stop already you know but um yeah man it's this has been a journey man you know it's 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 been a journey it's been an interesting experience for me to you know just go make a normal go apply for something super normal have the perfect qualifications for the job and all of a sudden nothing and all of a sudden nothing for me to go to a public event anywhere and then all of a sudden i am surrounded that goes into the whole system impacted part of being treated differently and the racial profiles that goes into a whole nother thing it's just a, a way different experience of you know and again before this i didn't face this type of discrimination i just didn't you know, because again, like this type of lifestyle isn't everywhere. It's it's specifically in pipeline states. It's specifically in states where incarceration rates are high. You know, a lot of people say, oh, it's democratic states. No, no, no. It's not. It's just pipeline states. Like Florida is a pipeline state and that's a Republican state. So like, um, it's a, it's definitely, it's, that, it's definitely a system, man. But in like smaller states, they don't, no way in hell, they, they do not treat you like this. Because the law doesn't allow you to treat you like this. Like if people were to really read the law, you would be like, you have a lot of rights. You have a ton of rights, actually. You know, it's just, you get fear pumped, pushed into you. You get a false expectation pushed into you, you know, so to you, you just start giving up your rights without knowing that you even had them in the first place. Um... 10 times out of 10, that's what people and lawyers are fighting over is the appearance of rights violated versus the appearance of them being enforced or upheld and, and so forth. So, man, this has been a 
experience. And I, I think for anybody, like I said, if they want to know is that if you think you're being messed with, you know, you have to sober up. I've been sober for almost two years now. Like active counseling, um, active counseling, active programming. You know what I mean? Like, so like all of that. You know, so when you, so it's not a paranoia, like you have to like sober up mentally and then I've healed from it. Like I'm, I'm I really am doing good emotionally as far as that goes. That's not to say I don't have moments where I really go into a depression because um, those, those moments do come, you know, and that's, you know, but I'm, I'm actually doing really well. So the other part is, um, uh, is like, if you have a machine, if you have like a computer or a phone or uh, something like that. It's, you're always going to have... There's always going to be something going on with your equipment. Because it's like... And then, like, if you reach out to, like, support, they'll they'll have to ignore you, pretty much. They'll have to treat you differently. They'll have to not respond. You know, and then that way, how you overcome that is you just have to become assertive. You got to become assertive, not aggressive, because aggressive, being aggressive on a high profile list fucks you over, dude. You're done because they already have you on that. They're looking for the first thing that they can be like, yo, let's throw this person away. It's illegal with shit. And here's another thing that like society is being sold that is completely fucking fake. It's illegal as fuck to have a a clear and present danger out in society. That's the point of why they lock somebody up. Because they're saying this person presents a danger to the community, so we have to keep them incarcerated. So when you don't have anything, they can't they can't arrest you. That's just simply it. So it's their duty. So in a in a state that is governed by police, they are not gonna let some wanted fucking a criminal just out there. They may sell those stories, and it may be true to some degrees, but about ten times out of ten, or nine point five times out of ten beyond some super secret secret society type of thing like super secret service or something like that that is simply not the case if it's a military thing they're going to be dealt with in the military if but they will not be walking around freely think about how fucking stupid of a society that would be so reason why i say that is because that was another thing you know that was used to 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 perpetuate you know, the, the infringement of my rights to perpetuate the infringement of my profile, of my identity, you know, to, to, to shape the perception of me, you know, it has been rumors like that. Oh, you don't know, this guy's going to freak out. He's a ticking time bomb, shit like that. You know what I mean? And why is he a ticking time bomb? Oh, he has mental health, you know, and, and oh, he's undiagnosed and this and just all up and down, you know what I mean? And, it's so fucking crazy that I'm in the middle of all of this, man. You know? I didn't put this on myself, though. No fucking way. No way. Especially, like, there's just no way that... You know, but I am... I'm in it now. And so it's not like... It's crazy, because I, like, represent everybody that's been fucked over. And I don't mean that, like, there was a... a, a phase of conceit i mean that as a matter of fact everything that has happened to me is the very thing that fucks people over daily you know and it's like and i'm still standing and continuing to rise there's champions around man there's there's heroes around but i'm discovering in my life right now at this very moment i'm the i, I i'm the hero and i think everybody has to come to those terms
have to recognize that you can change your story regardless of what's put up against you. So, man, my name is Douglas Jessup. I'm a social justice advocate. I'm a musician. I haven't been able to dig into music because everything I do is is um, sabotaged in one way or another. All right interfered with and interrupted you know so uh it's mainly getting my life back together and, and that's where i'm at so uh, douglas jessup oh also when i put this all i'll have if you want to reach out um, i'll put my email if you want to reach out just to talk especially to talk um feel free to reach out um you want to learn more about like how I fought and how you know I discovered different things, feel free to reach out. But over the series of my podcast, I'll continue to talk about social justice, um, how what I've discovered, the reason why it's such a massive thing, and the reason why so many people hide it. Uh, like the reason why the Los Angeles sheriffs, gangs, and stuff like that are very real. Um, I could talk about all kinds of different things I uncovered and discovered. Um, you can definitely reach out, and I'll leave my email. Um, besides that, God bless, man. I'm a Christian. God loves you. Jesus Christ loves you. Um, you. You don't have to take my word for it. You can just simply see my life and everything I've overcome. There's no way I would be able to overcome all the things that I have if it wasn't for a supernatural power in my life. And that power is Jesus Christ. So, that, man, stay blessed.